As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Oh, I say, it's amazing. He does it tame and tame and tame again. Break up the music, charge a glass. The England teams to win the 2022 World Cup, as predicted in 2013. Superman's credentials as a penalty-saving specialist. Gary Neville's football clubs at this moment in time. Gift Wrap's goal-scoring opportunities in the Bundesliga. Antonio Conte's little Sylvanian family's toy bench. Brighton manager Graham Potter urges the Brighton fans not to urge Brighton players to shoot. The eternal Campiones versus Championes debate. And the alternate version of Reedy in Vegas. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 150 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me once again is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. Yeah, an, an important milestone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how we feel about it compared to 100. We didn't have anything special lined up, that's for sure. Well, we do have David Walker alongside you at least. How's it going? Yeah, very good. 150 is not it's not as big a deal as 100, is it? No. I don't I don't think. Oh no, definitely not. That's actually something we could get into is as anniversary pieces. What's a kind of acceptable is I mean, I've done pieces on 15 years, which I'm aware doing them is a real stretch. Let's rank them. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. <laughs> 10 10 is the first one. Well, well, it depends what it is. I like you, you could do you could have the first anniversary of a thing. Yeah, but I don't. Not, think that... We're not doing it chronologically. We're doing it in, to, in in the order of how acceptable it is to do it. But how far back yeah, are we yeah, get? Because okay, a hundred yeah. is probably if you've got hundred, then you're like fair play. That's absolutely acceptable. Obviously, it's be something old and boring, though. Isn't it? So, <laughs> uh... oh, you say like what? What you'd be most interested to read? Then yes, definitely ten. Ten is the sweet spot. Ten, twenty-five. One, I'm I'm cautious about one, Dave, because that's usually a year on from something absolutely terrible. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Super that, League well, yeah, is coming well, up in two that. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. one can go in there because it's flexible. 
Um, I think 50... 20, 20 as well as 25. 20, 20 is very much legit. Okay. And 20, I remember... 20, I remember being told was like the sweet spot for nostalgia, but I increasingly think 10 years, or maybe even 15, is, is when it's most potent. Right. That said, I'm living in the mid-90s, so... But you'd have 25 over 20, right? It's yeah, tiny. I guess nice. so. I guess that in the kind of silver wedding anniversary yeah. Uh, yeah. way. Mm. Yeah. 50. 50 is good. Yeah. It's my fifth wedding anniversary coming up. Not going to do anything for it. It's not good enough for landmark. <laughs> yeah, I've got my fourth as it happens, which is even wow. even less good than fifth. Four years on. Well, it's World Cup thought? cycles, I suppose. You could do it like that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I hadn't thought of that. Speaking of the World Cup, let's kick off the adjudication panel today where they look back on the World Cup draw that we previewed in the previous episode. Um, the tantalising and stultifying groups that we, we feared and anticipated haven't quite come to pass. Let's recap. England have been drawn against USA, Iran, and one of Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine. Dave, somewhere in the middle of, of what we what we discussed, really, in terms of geographical interest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it definitely not the worst outcome we could have had, I mean, in terms of it being boring or, or samey. Um, even though we played USA at 2010, hmm. it still it still sort of feel there's still something about that game that sort of feels fun, sort of yeah. novelty. We can get excited about it. I can't remember ever playing Iran before. We yeah. obviously have, but I can't remember when we last did. Have um, we? I can say we, we obviously have. have. I mean, we must I'm have done pretty sure we've never played Iran ever. Not even in like the 80s in those random games. I am going to say we have never played Iran. Iran. I mean, USA and Iran, of course, played each other in 98 in that famous Famously. politically yeah. charged... Uh, England have never game. played Iran. Never played surprised. Iran? No. Well, there I'd we know. go. I'd know a about first. it. A first. A <laughs> first. Um, and it, it, as, for the, as for the European qualifying pathway... Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> the much maligned. Yeah, the the yeah. rise of the word pathway. <laughs> Real shame. Because yeah. um, we've had Wales and Scotland at um, two recent tournaments. Yeah. And also we had Ukraine, didn't we, in, in, in the court final in, mm. um, in the summer. So I'm not really that excited about any of those, but I think I would probably like Wales of, all, of the three. Mm. I think that's the most fun match. From a personal, selfish viewers perspective dave it's going to be a grueling tournament four games a day no for eight straight days is that because is this, is this tournament truncated in the terms of the, condensed. the, the yeah, time cons- the times yeah because normally in a, in a world cup or euros if you're lucky you get one day with a with a four with four games in one day like the famous except for the in- group except for the last day of the group when you have two double headers but that doesn't really count yeah, uh, yeah rubbish. rubbish i mean it is yeah, rubbish four, I mean, four, four game right, slots but... yeah so the, so we've got the kickoff times are 10 a.m 10 yeah. 1 4 7 the spirit of 2002 world cup slightly back great yeah. mm. breakfast world cup games brilliant 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 don't have to stay up till 2 a.m to finish off the day from a televisual perspective if nothing else this is a great world cup starting on a monday as well hmm I don't mind that. I don't give a shit. What's the situation <laughs> with the pubs? Are England fans going to be drinking at 9.30am? I mean, obviously, they will, given the chance, they will. Yeah, I imagine so. In winter as well. I mean, it's it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be this kind of bleak uh, spectacle of, yeah, mm. you know, you finish a game and it's pitch black outside. Yeah. Um, we spoke on the last episode before the draw about where we were at in the World Cup narrative cycle. Now we know who we're 
drawn against. And unfortunately, the Premier League um, roared back into the into the picture, so we don't talk about it anymore. But um, one thing that did dawn on me is that back in 2013, FA chairman Greg Dyke famously set his sights on the 2022 World Cup as as England's goal. That was the end the end result of all the reform that's gone on in the English game. So we're going to win the World Cup in 2022. But of course, back in 2013, when that proclamation was made, Dave, several articles were published (laughs) telling us what the team was going to be. Oh, yes. One of my favourite sub-sub-genres of football journalism, predicting teams in approximately eight to nine years' time. So let's have a look at a couple of the examples. The, The Mirror were first to go with theirs. This is 2013, did you say? This is in 2013, yeah, uh, on the back of of Dyke's um, big prediction or goal setting. Here's the mirrors. Jack Butland in goal. Back four of Luke Shaw, Sam Byram, Phil Jones and Crystal Palace youngster Ryan Innes, now of Charlton Athletic. Sam Byram's not a centre-back. Oh, Sam Byram's a right-back. This is centre-half of Phil Jones and Ryan Innes. Okay, right. Uh, I mean, it's an ongoing debate about which order you read out the defenders in, but uh, it's not for today. It's definitely not for today. Three-man midfield of Will Hughes, Captain Ross Barkley, and former Arsenal youngster Dan Crowley. Up front, Adam Campbell, James Wilson and Raheem Sterling. God, remember James Wilson? Yeah. He was a thing very briefly, wasn't he? Uh, mm. at Manchester United. Adam Someone... Campbell. Adam Campbell's the um, sort of gangly ginger striker that Newcastle had on their books for a while. Are you um, thinking of the Campbell that played for Middlesbrough? No. Oh, okay. I've, so I've there's him up. Yeah. Okay. Here, I think he is. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, apologies. Obviously. Wait, are you thinking of who are you thinking of? Alan Armstrong. No, I'm thinking of um, uh, who's the Campbell who played for? Oh, God, this is this is all filler, isn't it? Middlesbrough. Yeah, Andy Campbell, the gangly ginger guy who played for Middlesbrough in the late nineties, <laughs> early two thousands. Purely coincidental, I think. Yeah, I don't know if they're related. But you know <laughs> what? Fair play to get. They've got two of the starters. Probably. I actually mm. think that's good going for a team. What, nine years, nine years in advance. Luke Shaw and Raheem Sterling. It's not. I mean, there was. It was never the intention of this segment to lay into the logic because you know it's a futile exercise, Charlie. Of course it is, but. Um, there are a couple of names in there that bleed mm. future England World Cup team, and Ross Barkley quite rightly. Oh, well, I was going to say, can we can we definitively rule him out <laughs> of the captaincy? Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jack Butland as well. I like in the sort of Richard Wright role. Yeah, of, Jack uh, Butland. The prom- logic there is yeah. is impenetrable. Promising young keeper. He could, who... Yeah, he, I mean. An injury, or wouldn't be many injuries need to happen on. for him to get in the squad. Two two injuries, he might be. The, he could be the third choice. Have you got well, shares then... in the mirror or something. What's going on? <laughs> and to be fair, he was probably in. He was in the 2018 squad, I imagine, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Little was, disclaimer yeah. there. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> well, this is what we're doing here. Um, uh, let's move on to the independence effort. Um, Something you, you would imagine would be a bit more highbrow, a bit more considered. Let's have a look at theirs. In goal, Jack Butland. Uh, again, absolutely fine. Luke Shaw, Nathaniel Chalabar at right back. Phil Jones, Chris Smalling. Interesting back four. Midfield three of Wilfred Zaha. No more. Jack Wilshire, Ross Barkley. I assume he's captain. Up front, Jordan Ibe, 
Daniel Sturridge and Tuba Akpom. Right. Okay. He does unravel that team, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you are, if you were going to, if you were given the task um, of of doing this at any stage, what's your, what's the first thing you do? Can you look at the age groups? Is it too? Can you even work that out? I think if you go in eight to nine yeah. years ahead, the under twenty ones is probably the best place yeah. to start. If maybe even younger. So some of these would have been in that seat, like. Akpom, I imagine, would have been in the under-21s. I was coming through at Liverpool. And then there's, like, you know, Phil Jones, obviously notable as being in both the Mirror and the Independence lineups here. He was, of course, you know, at the time. Was he Was he even... Was that even 2013? Is he he sort just of, moved to United. He's at United, yeah. 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 Because Phil Jones, as we've discussed before, is the embodiment of this vague philosophy that is future England captain, which basically means massive and <laughs> and already playing regular first team football at the age of sort of nineteen. So he was mm. always good. So he's he and Barkley are basically at the the epicenter of this phenomenon, I think. Yeah. Nathaniel Shalabar at the time would have had a season for Watford. Mm. Playing central midfield though as a seventeen year old. So I'm not quite sure why they've why they've stuck him in at right back. And there's a lot of like, oh, we need a right back. Oh, young, good English player, I'll stick him there. Sort yeah. Of thing. And then up front, Charlie, you've got Sturridge who who was obviously playing well at that point. And so you need one player who's still going to be clinging on in his late twenties, early thirties as, mm. as being like the figurehead of this you know, unavoidably young team because of the way these things are, you know, constructed. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, there aren't really any established players still there. I guess one way you look at it is sort of the the best teams, who's their biggest, brightest prospect, yeah. and maybe yeah. work it from from there. Like, did I mean, did, did anyone in two thousand in like the year two thousand or like maybe like nineteen ninety nine when they were doing like a two thousand in England's two thousand and ten World Cup team have Emil Heskey lining up for them? Still knocking around. Yeah, yeah. This kind of focus on youth and kind of up and coming players. There's this kind of refusal to accept players that might still be lingering around and break back in, which I think, you know, you need to take a kind of holistic approach to this thing. You need to look for kind of existing curveballs, and it isn't just about 17 year olds that might be good soon. Um, I mean, the logic of this independent team was slightly flawed. Um, Whoever wrote it picked 12 players. Theo Walcott was in there as well. (laughs) The manager's Gary Neville. Um, well, he came came close, I suppose. Uh, the author of this eleven, it turns out, is a certain Mr. Jack Pitt Brook. Oh, very nice. Now of athletic fame. Whatever happened to him? So they had tw- so they had twelve players, but was it just a list then? Because they can't have had, they can't have had it twelve players on like it was on a gallery, diagram. as uh, as okay. was the style back then. <laughs> right. Um, so he's obviously completely lost track of things. But yeah, there's a man who knows a thing or twelve about who's going to be lining up for England at World Cup 2022. Um, well done, Jack. I was just going to... I actually think Jack's was a good effort, though, actually. Like, actually, like, it's, the, the, reality, the alternate reality where that England team is lining up in, is not that far away. No? Like, Wilshere could, you know, could he's still playing, could, could have done it. Zaha, if he stayed with England, could, would, would definitely be in the squad. Barkley, Sturridge, like, it's, it's not a bad effort. I've seen much worse efforts than but, that. But I mean, they're all going to be based on a logic. No one's just going to do that with like, just going to chuck out 11 names. Well, mm. I just think <laughs> from, from now on, all future efforts made at this sort of thing need to bear very strongly in mind the feedback from previous efforts of doing this sort of thing. You need to take a kind of it's overhead so, look at it. It's almost redundant now, though, because the, Sideways, because though. the England... The England um, <laughs> pathways system is so advanced now like you probably actually could 
they probably know. They've probably they've probably mapped out who the England team will be in ten years internally at the FA mm. because they all they're all working up through the through the age groups. It doesn't really it's not really a as much of a sort of punt as it was before. No. No, um, and the decline of online galleries really has hammered the final nail in this coffin. <laughs> I suspect. I, Let's I, move I on. like as well. So just with online yep. galleries, with su- with just because they were such all about hits, and just the more you have, the better. So it's like just do a twelfth player; it's fine. It'll be worth <laughs> it for the hits. Doesn't matter about the credit. Yeah, no one will notice. No yeah. one will notice that you picked a four-three-four formation. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to domestic matters. Uh, first of all, what I have already established to be the most BT Sport game of all, the Saturday lunchtime kickoff between Liverpool and Watford. Um, the highlight of which was Steve McManaman ratcheting up a notch. The ex-keepers wouldn't have saved that discourse as Fabinho slammed home his penalty. Oh, yes. Just an half smash that in the top corner. Seen all different penalties from him. Rolled to the side against the likes of Shrewsbury. Penenka's at Wembley. And then have some of this one. Bang. Oof. Ben Foster, no chance with that, but no one would have had any chance with that. Coming Superman would have stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the game and didn't re- I didn't I didn't I think I was so annoyed at McManaman's over enthusiastic uh, celebration, I didn't really clock that. Superman! Good Superman. shot stopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie, what, what how would you appraise Superman's credentials as, as a goalkeeper? I guess the fact that he can soar into the air. Um, like a keeper might, but you'd think a bit quicker and a bit higher. Hmm. Th- there is there is a degree of logic. He's got superhuman reflexes. He'd hmm. save it. He'd, he'd know where it was going the second the, the ball was off the boot. Ah, so you're going with the mental rather than the physical but he, uh, he can, attributes. But I think he can just see stuff in different time to to, to normal beings. And if I if and could, he, my... could he could he fly up a reverse you know do the thing that he did in the film like reverse time this and is back about down to and say. save it yeah I mean a, a lot of Superman uh, diehards really not happy with that superpower which I think was in Superman Four A Quest for Peace which was both the best and worst Superman film ever made but yeah he 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 flew around the world the other way to turn back time which in this sense would probably be quite useful because then he'd save it but then it was a very good penalty so I'm not sure um, Love Kelly always writes in. And furnishes me with the information that Superman can travel at 186,000 miles per hour. I reckon he'd have made it. Mm, I reckon he'd make it. You could have Superman and Batman in the goal and they wouldn't have saved that. (laughs) They wouldn't get on, would they? So, (laughs) yeah, it's um, all the politics of that that would be quite interesting. Spider-Man would be the best one, actually, wouldn't he? He could just shoot shoot a web at the ball and there you go. But that would be allowed. 
because this is not be, yeah would be against the rules of the game yeah, well, sure, yeah but... these sort of things aren't accommodated for in the laws of the game like if you throw your boot at a ball mm. i think that goes down as unsporting yeah. conduct or yeah. hulk i suppose just put him he just you're not gonna get past him are you mm. Mm. this is a getting eerily close to sort of wrestling style <laughs> discourse so no more marvel universe <laughs> on the football cliches podcast uh next up as discovered by David Walker, nonetheless, this is some excellent in-house commentary at Stamford Bridge on Saturday as Christian Eriksen and Brentford turned the game on its head. And Burmo with Eriksen and Tony bombing up as well. Suddenly it's stretched and open and Burmo middles it. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, yeah, just delightfully honest in-house <laughs> club commentary, Charlie. I've got no truck with this. This is absolutely fine. Also, middles it um, lesser spotted for a, a cross or a centre. Which yeah. I mean, centre's pushing it the best times. Middles it, yeah. But that's a, that's a an amazing reaction. Also, because often commentators will say things like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" In a yeah. like, I can't yeah. believe this has happened. Not in just a like, "Oh, for you fuck's would sake, not kind of credit way. it." Yeah, would you credit it? This mm. is just like, oh, why? I, maybe we shouldn't be surprised, Dave, because it was the exact area of the pitch. Where John Motson once famously said, "Oh, Balak!" <laughs> so maybe it's just a, it's just a hallowed piece of turf that makes commentators just go crazy. Maybe uh, the thing I like about it is that it is it's um, it's fan zone in spirit, delivered in with the professionalism of a proper commentator. <laughs> Quite right. I mean, the sentiment is clear. I mean, no one expected yeah. this, of course, and, and and all that is fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't strictly say it was biased. It's just, it's just absolutely fine, and and it's really the only sort of place you could expect to hear it. So, yeah, um, all credit to him. In all, all things considered, elsewhere, Charlie um, Ericsson was described by Sky, I think it was, as, as returning to haunt Chelsea, <laughs> which, in the scheme of things, a little. A bit much. Also, I don't think yeah. he's got the track record against Chelsea to, to be considered to be coming back to haunt them. No. And also hasn't played for them, which doesn't help either. But he does actually have a really good record against Chelsea. He has Enough to warrant a haunt? I wouldn't have thought so. No, well, not really. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying, it's, I'm saying it, wasn't, it was insufficient. I'm not saying it's terrible. I think, yeah, a bit close to the bone, though, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, true. Next up, Sam Hartford, who was watching Manchester United versus Leicester on Saturday was alarmed by Sky dedicating a graphic to Darren Cann's 500th Premier League appearance <laughs> running the line. He says it sets a dangerous precedent for celebrating officiating milestones. What's next? A Premier League year's highlights montage dedicated to his top 10 best offside calls, Charlie. And Darren Cann is Darren Cann's up there. We, we should be venerating his like, shouldn't we? Darren Cann, yeah, along with Mike Malarkey, has the distinction of being a name everyone knows, which shows he, he's, he must have some... Malarkey's not lining anymore, is he? I don't know. I just he he's always who who comes to mind. Can and and Malarkey. Yeah, can uh, still around. It brings back to mind. I don't know if we've mentioned this before. We probably have, but you um, brought this to my attention, Adam. The was it Jeff Winter who, in his autobiography, talked about the Liverpool fans. <laughs> <laughs> did they surprise. know? Did they know on his last game? Wouldn't surprise it me. It wouldn't they're surprise. A, <laughs> they're such a knowledgeable bunch. I mean, it, worth, worth anyone seeking that out. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the age of celebrity refs, and I don't know about celebrity linos, but mm. uh, I, I think this this will trigger a lot of fans. If you know, if you, I mean, Mike, look at Mike Dean. There'll never have been a fanfare like mm. there will be for his 
departure. And I think that will rile quite a lot of people. 500, as we've already established on this podcast, Dave, is, is a perfectly acceptable milestone to recognise. 500 appearances is, is right at the uh, right at the most acceptable end of this. Um, but it, it, yeah. it did also make me think that 500 games as a linesman in the highest pressure league of all, we claim. Uh, and that's just Premier League. Yeah, you'll have done. You'll have done plenty of European games, FA Cup games, yeah. all sorts. I mean, like, I mean obviously, league. very stressful job to do it five hundred mm. times at the very top level, but quite boring also because <laughs> we've all we've all done it at Sunday League and five hundred times. Well, but you're quite samey. Not not a, not a great deal of variety in 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 the job really, um, but incredibly anxiety inducing mm. for me I mean I suppose you get used to it obviously if you do it that many times but if you, you ever find yourself running the line at Sunday League I'm just constantly just like oh oh oh, oh is he going to play it? oh where's the last man I'm just constantly stressed about am I going to fuck it up oh no did I get it oh, do God, I have to tight. listen for the ball and look for the defence or do I have yeah. to look at both it's fucking impossible so like when you have to go in goal and you're just like please stay the hell away from mm. from where I am but I bet you I bet you if Darren can or indeed Mike Malarkey, did an interview with a trade magazine or something about, you know, my life as a line magazine. Lino Monthly. Lino Monthly. Once he's retired. I can imagine him. Yeah, he would be saying, you know, uh, no game's ever the same. That buzz, that never... When you walk out in front of 60,000 people, it's, you know, that never loses you. So I don't don't think he would describe it as boring. Anything Mm. but. Mm. A bit on pointless as well, so... uh... Fair play to him. He's got extra interests, so it probably kept him going. Um, elsewhere, was he, with, was he one pointless with his um, corresponding? No, other just his mate. From I the think. other side. No, I'm pretty, <laughs> no, no, yeah, not a fellow linesman. Sadly, good to know that they're spending you know the entire life together. But anyway, teams. Elsewhere at Old Trafford, in the 85th minute, Gary Neville mid rant, now having his weekly big picture whinge about Manchester United Football Club. And Martin Tyler chips in. Work out what type of team they are at all. Most teams have a very clear picture of what they're trying to do, but this United team, all the way through from first to last. Well, if any of the old DNA remains, there is uh, Ralphie time, as opposed to Fergie time. be added to the five minutes or so of regulation time. <laughs> Near Nacho. <laughs> it started badly and got worse, didn't it, Dave? It's it's not a phrase I want to see catch on, Ralphie time, because it, it really does conjure up all sorts of images. <laughs> yeah, and if you have to immediately explain a joke just after you've made it, it's a sign that it's not probably the best one, mm. you know, as in Fergie time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, not, not great from Tyler. Yeah, I mean, this iteration of Manchester United, Charlie, are not averse to scoring late goals. But uh, Ralphie time, not happy with it. Um, not happy with it at all. <laughs> Ralphie time, yeah. I mean, also the fact that he's never, to my knowledge anyway, really been known as that. So it feels like... I've seen him more... tap his watch once. <laughs> even more of a stretch. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, in the gantry at Old Trafford, um, George Dunn has pointed me towards the recording of the Gary Neville podcast, which is which is done up in the gantry with Martin Tyler after a televised game. And uh, so embedded in my brain is Gary Neville's voice now as part of the football tapestry, the weekend's coverage. I felt important to do this montage. This is Gary Neville essentially doing his two favourite phrases over and over again 
um, to the point where it actually gets really quite weird. Absolutely way off it at this moment in time. This football club, football club. This is a great football club. This is a great football club. And there could be very good people in this football club. There are very good people in this football club. You can't run this football club by Zoom at this moment in time. At this moment in time, but I think at this moment in time, it's a great football club. At this moment in time, a football club. At this moment in time, football club. In a football club. At this moment in time, a football club. At this moment in time, a football club. At this moment in time, who is the voice of this football club? Charlie, can we just please give Gary Neville something else to talk about other than the state of Manchester United Football Club at this current moment in time? This moment in time, which we've spoken about. Many mm. times before. Mm. I, wa- I do wonder if here... Do you say this is on his podcast? Yeah. So he's coming off the back of doing the game as well. I do wonder if he's slightly an autopilot by this point. I mean, he's he's been talking so much. He's done the game. He's probably a bit frazzled. And it just sort of... I don't know. It, it all just comes no, out even more as, than as, usual. Yeah, as Adam says, though, he's been talking about this topic on, on repeat for... Uh, well, coming up to a decade mm. almost, mm. pretty much. Still very like, passionate about it. I mean, no, no uh, question yeah. about that. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I just, just amazed that I got all of that out of just 15 minutes of footage. Mm. Absolutely astonishing. It um, feels like turbo him. Yeah. Potentially open and shut case this one. Dave, Ian Liddle was watching West Ham versus Everton and up popped a caption for Mason Holgate under which it said, ever present for previous eight Premier League games. What? Nowhere near the threshold for ever present, is it? Nowhere well, near. Well, no. You either are... It's, it's an either-or thing. You've either played every game or you haven't. Yeah. You don't get to decide the window of ever-presentness. And I would also say, Charlie, ideally it should be from the start of the season as well. You can't just mm. pick a window. No. That's, yeah. You could be ever-present ever since a manager came in, maybe. Actually, I heard an example of this on our Watford podcast this morning. I was um, on the way in. What Musa Sissoko has played every minute of every game since he joined Watford in like the third game of the season, mm. which is a close enough. I think you could it? say, yeah, he's been never since, ever he's present since, since joining. he joined the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah, it's for a long, couldn't do anything about it previously, could he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not his fault. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a break. Where were you five seasons ago? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, ever present for a previous eight Premier League games is big no no. Um, just say played. You just yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to couch it in those terms mm. yeah i mean ever present is a is a valuable precious phrase don't abuse it don't How use it will you dare you yeah a little bit then i i saw i think i saw you commenting or replying to someone on twitter recently about this but didn't someone hail um wilfred zaha as a one club man well i mean mm. i sympathize with both sides of this debate but not with zaha because he he moved to manchester united he signed for them and then he came yeah. back. It doesn't matter how much... He's, he's certainly missed a Crystal Palace. Yes. No question about that. Uh, uh, you, you, might, you might argue about that, but whether he's got that kind of real force of personality to, to really deserve that. But he is in the running to be Mr. Crystal Palace. No issue with that, but he's not a one-club mm. man. Um, but I do, I, do, I do feel like, Charlie, we should allow maybe one loan move. Well, I was a small gonna, loan. I was going to yeah. say, I mean, like John Terry, I know he then did move to Villa as well, but he's always the one. He had that loan at Forest, didn't he? But even no, without... He, he moved to Villa as well, so he can't have it. <laughs> but, but I mean, even without the Villa, I, I think if his career had just been Chelsea and uh, yeah. that Forest loan, he'd be, he'd be a one-club man. Yeah. Even, even allowing for a loan. Because he was registered with Chelsea. That's the yeah. main thing. Yeah. I mean, they were I paying all... his wages. I mean, Terry... Yeah, I still, I still almost think of him as a one, even though he did have that last year. But that's... not a one club man. Stephen Gerrard, 
Well, exactly. I mean, would he be a one club man? He, I guess no. In the galaxy. No. Yeah, he, he, that late move. I but. mean, but as I pointed out to at least three angry Crystal Palace fans, it's, it doesn't matter. You don't. It doesn't. You don't need him to be a one club man. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Except that he's Mr. Crystal Palace, and that's it. Your life won't be any different if Wilfred Zaha isn't a one club man. It just doesn't matter. So it's important that these things remain as monoliths in the football language. They shouldn't move. They're not shiftable. Ever-present, one-club men. Don't mess with them. Right, next up. Dan the Ghost asks a question I've never thought about before, and yet this feels like it's spiritual home. He asks, Can you think of a more left-footed player who is actually right-footed than Emi Buendia? My mind simply refuses to accept it. Charlie, I I don't know how to get my head around this. This feels like something we should definitely spend six Mm. to eight minutes talking about. And yet I can't (laughs) think of a single player that fits the mould. Well, yeah, weirdly with this, I have all... I don't know why I always thought Naby Keita was left-footed. In my mind, he was... (laughs) Why did you form that opinion? I don't know. (laughs) He just felt like one of those central midfielders whose slight point of differentiation was that he was left-footed. And it took until Spurs played them at this... uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium earlier in the season. And I I thought, for a left-footed player, he's using his right foot an awful lot. And Hmm. uh, at that point, the penny dropped. But I know what you mean. I mean... There's no then, logic you can apply here. I no, but there are. I mean, there are those two-footed players, aren't there? Who you mm. you thought were one favoured the other. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd never. I just didn't have any impression of what which foot Emmy Buendia used in my head. Should I have done? <laughs> also I, true. I also guess true. in a sense he's one of those. Well, yeah, it doesn't necessarily make him more left-footed than right-footed, but I, I guess he's got that creativity and. <laughs> Things like that that sometimes lend themselves more to a left-footed player, but even then it's maybe a stretch. Venerated football stat site fbref.com says he's 87% right-footed. Wow. Based on his uh, playing output. So, Dan the Ghost, you're onto something. I've just got nothing to offer in response, but but you, you came to the right place. Thank you, Dan the Ghost. Mm. Um, next up, the old firm Derby. Uh, we've talked to on this podcast so much recently about um, Gary Weaver, Dave. Mm. Um, but he's only, planting his flag. Yeah, but he's only the apprentice to the master, which is Ian Crocker, because Ian Crocker has found his octave and he's absolutely sticking to it. Celtic, if they win, will go six points clear, and they have a better goal difference. But hang on, Ryan Kent is round the back. Nice. <laughs> if this was a song, Charlie, it would be completely unsustainable. Oh, well, I can't believe he stays there that long as it is. I mean, even for by his standards, because we know he does like to do that, but that he's there for ages. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's like hitting the, the red zone of the revs of a car, Dave. It's like he can't go any higher, but he refuses to go lower. There will be no undulation from Ian Crocker. No, but, but, but he's nailed, absolutely nailed it. Yeah. He's right in there. The voice doesn't break. And yeah, it's like a singer, just like you say, just like belting out the high notes, but in crystal, crystal clear quality. Very good. He's just, he's just so, he's so permanently associated with a goal in an old firm derby. Charlie, just can't think of it. <laughs> any other voice I could imagine. I hearing. think of him, 
As, yeah, even like the twelve o'clockness of it seems to really suit him. <laughs> just, like that, the, I can just picture like the level of sunshine of the day. It's mm. just, it's all him. Uh, similar commentating legend. This is from James Corder, who says, uh, "Here's Bundesliga commentator, the great Archie Rhines Tut, describing a very presentable chance for Erling Haaland against RB Leipzig on Saturday." Nice passing from Bellingham. Wolf tries to put it into the centre. Oh, a gift for Haaland, which he hasn't unwrapped. The paper's left on that one. <laughs> one too many visual elements to the uh, to the gift-wrapped charms, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Speaking as people who know, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, you just needed to leave it there. <laughs> Even the unwrapped is unusual, and I wonder if that's why he really runs with it, because I think normally it's gleefully accepted gifts rather mm. than unwrapped. So it's almost like... He knows he's done something a bit unusual and then really pushes it. Yeah, yeah. it's usually the handing over of the gift rather than the... Un- <laughs> but yeah, we live in an unboxing era. So yeah, maybe that'll be next. But yeah, uh, nice explanation. Almost Tyler-esque reiteration of what was going on there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Uh, next up. I always thought this was a an English newspaper phenomenon, but it's good to see that the uh, continent is embracing it too. Charlie, this is Gazzetta dello Sport getting in on the classic headline act with a riso in bianco, moda, tatuaggi e religioni, ecco come hakan chalhanodlu e tornato el gol, which translates as white rice, fashion, yes. tattoos and religion. This is how <laughs> hakan chalhanodlu got back to scoring four the, things yeah well that's what threw me genuinely i thought it was going to be an xyz but then yeah. it went on for too long i thought oh you i mean you can't w xyz yeah incredible Th- those are some good things yeah. yeah i mean but yeah uh, let's let's examine how well they've done this day because white rice they've got some food in there important mm-hmm. fashion yep. that's extracurricular activities yep tattoos yeah, it's kind of it's kind of in there. Yeah, and then, you could lose one of those two, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Which one would you lose from tattoos and religion? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I would, I would, the fashion, what was the fashion? Was it White fashion rice, and tattoo? fashion, tattoos and religion. I'd get rid of religion. Yeah. I'd get rid of it, to be honest. It's not I don't think you need enough. fashion and tattoos. Yeah. Fashion and tattoos oh, okay. are the same world, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Do, do you know what they need to do? They, I think they need to get rid of two of them and replace the last one with a football-y, not that exciting thing, like extra training. Or something, mm. or shooting drills, or something. I think it's yeah. key to have one that's very footbally and not that, or even kind ordinary. of sports psychology or something yeah. like that, visualization or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. White it can't rice, be, I don't religion, can... and acro yoga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, take Moda out, and you've got a lovely rhythm. Riso in bianco, tatuaggi e religione. That's 
the rhythm is all you really need, Charlie. That kind of trumps everything else, I think. This but could breathe. Right this could breathe new life into the X Y Z genre. Just mm. doing it in Italian. Mm. But yeah, you know, good. Ima- imagine like, what it's like to be under Steve Bruce, but in Italian. <laughs> very exciting. Yeah, well, it's it's good to see Gazetta getting in on the action with that one. Um, speaking of Italian football, Antonio Conte, Charlie was presented with his fourth panchina d'oro, golden bench winning the Serie A title with Inter last season. So we're familiar with this with this construct <laughs> in football now. Thing that's loosely related to the thing you're awarding the player or figure for immortalised in a trophy. But this is, in fact, a golden bench, an actual bench, a mini little bench in a presentation box. Which, again, now I've reiterated, does sound quite silly, but I'm still on board with it. And then I looked at the trophy itself. It's not like a, it's not like a football bench, not with a kind of plastic awning over the top or anything like that it's just a bench a park bench in gold it's astonishing it looks so stupid it is amazing i mean the yeah it's just just a regular bench it's literally just a bench Mm. it's so uh amateurish as well the whole it looks very much like what you might get for an under 12s football tournament or something it looks like something from sylvanian families that's what it looks like. yes (laughs) yeah they've nicked it out of a doll's house (laughs) It's that aesthetic, yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. I can't. I just can't imagine. I mean, it's obviously a huge deal. It's been going for many, many years. But uh, bloody hell, what a trophy that is. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got four of them now. So um, he can make his own little park. At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday, um, one of the most punnable footballers finally came to the fore, having scored the opening goal for Newcastle. And Rob Hawthorne and Jamie Carragher just kept going at it. Share. We've had Sonny and Cher on the score sheet today. That Newcastle club is deep turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've got you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only thinking about the game, I'm thinking the Cher songs. <laughs> <laughs> the little uh, from Carragher at the end if I could turn back time perhaps the only go-to here Dave wasn't it yeah Believe the 98 yeah. smash hit yeah Conte making yeah I was going to say that. Conte making Spurs believe in life after Nuno no, good. doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah good um, but yeah yeah lovely stuff although I have to say Charlie I'm not 100% convinced that Carragher understood the I've got you babe reference but laughed anyway that's all I'm saying I don't know and, and also that's double points because that actually is sunny and shit yeah exactly so, bringing it back yeah Hawthorne, bringing it yeah, back yeah. Exactly. pure class from Hawthorne yeah yeah absolutely right good stuff I got you to hold my hand Rob <laughs> nice this is from listener Lucius Odell who's listening to the US coverage of that game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This is Graham Lasseau and Arlo White doing perhaps the best impression of the Football Clichés podcast I've ever heard. We'll see a couple of bookings here. I'm sure two players who locked heads. There is such a thing as locking heads. But you lock, lock horns, don't you? Well, that's what <laughs> Arlo White definitely doing the Dave Walker role there. You, you can lock horns, can't you? 
I mean, you can, you can butt heads, <laughs> butting heads. He's, he's, yeah. he's melded them. I love it. Influencing culture for 150 episodes. <laughs> yep. You can be at loggerheads. <laughs> yeah, good. Whatever that means. Oh, I like loggerheads. I, lo- I do like loggerheads. Um, next up, in what the world thought was an innocuous, tedious, uneventful, goalless draw between Brighton and Norwich has uh, erupted into quite something else. Um, Graham Potter has bemoaned the fact that the Brighton fans are urging the Brighton players to shoot. Uh, When asked about Brighton having 31 shots on goal, but only four on target, Dave, he replied, the build-up suggests we're getting there. Of course, the longer you go, you can hear the crowd. Shoot, 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 you know? And that sometimes is a challenge for the players. This is great. This is great to hear. Mm. Forward-thinking managers confronting previously unspoken about mini phenomena in football. This is great. I want to hear more of this. No, Yeah, I really like it because for years I've been one of those fans who like would be like, no, don't stop telling him to shoot. It's great to hear managers getting annoyed. About He's it. 40 yards out, for Christ's sake. <laughs> the bloke's never scored. Lloyd Dooley's never scored. Why are you saying shoot? Well, this is it, Charlie. This is the first <laughs> glimpse that we've seen that it has an effect on players then. If, if, if Potter, you know, doing all the analysis back in his in his video analysis room afterwards, is detecting that players are genuinely getting influenced by crowds shouting shoot, then we know it works. This is good. And it showed, you know, with the whole, um, the game's not the same without fans and all of that that we had from managers last year. I mean, is this the first time that managers almost said, you know, sort of, uh, there, there were some better elements last season. You know, we didn't, we didn't have fans putting off our players <laughs> screaming shoot. Well, so they did have 31 shots, Dave. Um, and I went back over the footage of the entire game, I counted eight shots that were audibly urged to happen. That gives you a 25.8% urge ratio, uh, which I think is the highest I've ever heard. I don't know about you. Seems very high. That is a quarter of the shots. A quarter of the shots were urged by the fans. That must be a record. Mm. Or at least eight must be a record. Not necessarily the proportion, but that's a huge amount of urging going on also says to me that Norwich were happy to sort of sit and let it happen um, let's hear the urgings in all their glory picked up by Lamptey might have a go here deflected effort and only Kukurea has made more for Brighton but Lamptey of course has missed a lot of footballers another effort comes in and invited another Brighton player towards it McAllister gonna try his luck and it's only just wide Kukurea McAllister third time lucky perhaps but he drags it wide towards Danny Welbeck and it breaks here for Veltman and it goes high <laughs> and wide Lamptey tees himself up over Burton <laughs> sensing there could be something here quite quickly for them Trossard twisting and turning but Grant Hanley is in again it's McAllister on the edge of the area I, I was I was going to ask you before before we watched that clip whether the whether this was um, something that sort of caught on during the game and it was all like some of the, the shots are all in the latter part of the game where they were being urged to shoot but that the clip there that we've just watched here was like three minutes in they're going for it fairly even spread of urging I'd, I'd, yeah. what, I, what I did manage to glean from this Charlie was that the urging kind of rose steadily as the game went on and then I think they started to realise what they were doing and thought oh, just, well, fuck this it's not going to work so they stopped urging so there was a, definitely a peak urge maybe at the start of the second half maybe 70 minute maybe mm. And you can sort of see what Potter's talking about because a couple of those 
you do get the sense that players are influenced and have sort of pot shots. I mean, I wonder as well how many of those would fit into the all day category yeah. in the opposition. A lot of them are very them. high and wide as well, which is mm. the, the massive trigger for all day in Sunday league, isn't it? Of course. Exactly. And the, and the response from the, especially in the first half when they're playing into the Norwich fans, there's a great, yeah. that great call and the shoot and then the wee. Yeah. Fans got to take a look at themselves. Yeah. yeah. If that's the result of your urging, then you're not doing the team any favours. What What is the alternative, though? If he, if, if, you don't know, do in, it. In, no, but he's no, but you know, if you're if you're saying you should always suggest a solution, not just say no. <laughs> oh, don't, you, don't just don't just quash the idea without. Weigh up your options. <laughs> Weigh up your options. <laughs> Trust Pass. the process. Pass. <laughs> I mean, it is quite funny in this age of managers being so micromanaging and control freaks that they it can all be derailed by fans screaming out "shoot," which has been going on for. Decade. Remember what you did in the uh, 11 versus 10 exercise at the end of training on Thursday? XG! <laughs> oh, someone would do that. I mean, yeah, the XG chat must have pervaded the Brighton support by now. So there must be a wag shouting something along those lines by now. Finally, on the Football Clichés podcast for today, um, Liverpool's women's team have secured promotion to the Super League after winning the championship title with victory over second place Bristol City this weekend. Their first team performance analyst, Jordan Kevin, got in touch. He says, I feel like I can ask this now. It's been confirmed and I can't jinx it. But we won the championship today and thus ensured promotion back to the top flight. After the initial scenes celebrating like we've literally won the league, because we have, the, um, the traditional song went up as they were jumping up and down. I've got to ask, he says, which one is it? I went for Campione's. Um, let's listen to the clip. And have a little chat about it. Charlie, I'm satisfied there that they went for Championes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, My second question to you both is what words should they be singing? Like, what's the technically correct word we should be going for here? I mean, Championes has... Championes, sorry. Championes has become the accepted word to you. So I think that's fine. Mm. I agree. I agree it too. Might, it may well be technically yeah. you know, maybe this thing originated with English teams copying uh, Spanish, Italian, whatever Campiones is from, but mm. um, it's Campiones, isn't it? This is like, this is a bit at- Atletico, Atletico, mm. isn't it? 100%. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's an acceptable corruption for our purposes of a European word. And I think it's fine. I think anyone's sh- anyone, anyone singing Campione's Charlie is now in the minority. If anything, well, exactly. I mean, it's we, we've. <laughs> I would look. I would if 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 I was ever managed to win anything at amateur level or whatever, and and one of my teammates like singing Campione's. But also, it's, like, it's come on. How much pushing? Because it's probably like Campionish or something. And if yeah. you were trying to say that and sing that, you'd. Yeah. I mean. But we, I mean, yeah, there's no consistency. We've said it many times before. If you said Terry Henry, you'd sound like an idiot. But likewise, if you said Robert Pires, you'd also sound like an idiot. Yeah. We, we, between us, we come up with what's an acceptable middle ground for these and Championers. Yeah, I don't want to hear anybody frowning upon Championers. But um, uh, Liverpool women's team's first team performance analyst needs to take a long, hard look at himself because that sort of stuff is not going to cut it in the top flight. It's Championes, and that's how we do it in this country, all right? (laughs) Um, Let's do Keys and Grey Corner, shall we? 
This weekend, on the back of Everton's latest slump at the hands of West Ham, Richard Keyes, Charlie, was banging a very familiar drum for him. He's been he's been arguing this for so many years. And I have to say, there is some logic to it, but um, it made for some not uncompelling television, let's put it that way. What you do then, you think outside the box, and I repeat, you move your senior squad <laughs> closer to London so that the players can be where they really want to be geographically. What does it matter whether they train at Finch Farm or London Coney, really? What does it matter? Do you want Liverpool to move out of Liverpool? No. Move out of training again, go to London? No. Why not? Because it's our home. It's where we live. It's <laughs> where we are. Your it's our identity. It does. Your club maintains its links to the city. Your 18s, 23s, your infrastructure, yeah. your, your community work is all focused on the city. But your, your senior players, who you never see in the city, you won't see any of them these days wandering <laughs> around the city, want to go and live and work Elsewhere in the country. We were very... Football was unaccessible. You did. He's talking about now. You don't see a modern player in a shopping mall. He's hit me with this one for about 18 months, two years now. Now, I think he's got a valid point, I have to say, because he's hit me with this. He's bombarded me with this. Go on, go on. (laughs) I've argued it down for the same reasons as you, right? But he has got points that you have to accept are valid. Right, and I hate to say this to him because I'm, I don't want Everton ever to move away the but first the team club away from Liverpool. No, the players the team away from Liverpool. Do the players I live don't. in South Manchester anyway? Yeah, they probably. They might do. as well live in, in North London. Yeah, but watch him. Uh, That's yeah. my He's point. got an argument. Thank That's you. all I'm saying. You've got. Okay. <laughs> Definitely the best bit of that, Charlie, is, is Jason McAtee, the third wheel there, just giving up at the end saying, oh, I can't be bothered with this because it's, it's clearly just, it's, it's got too many legs. What, what I love as well is that Andy Gray asks him, why not? And he, and he takes like a, you know, a second to, to gather his thoughts. He's like, ah, see? As he's, he's literally just answered. So like, gotcha, see, there actually isn't a reason. It's amazing. Um, we've, we're talking about Kishi like he's not there as well. Like Andy's playing like translator. Yeah, yeah, but and I quite w- like that because McAteer is so by the end just like I can't even talk to him directly. He is like, can you explain what what his point is? There, I mean, it's just the best <laughs> pincer movement in football. But you just you wouldn't. We've said this before. You wouldn't get this dynamic on Sky or BT Sport, you know, which is such a such a shiny product these days. You wouldn't get this also, kind of low level point scoring between mates on Selly. Line of questions. Yes, just, oh, yeah, that too. Um, I, I, there is something I have to say slightly endearing about the fact that they just still try to wind each other up like that. And seem to have to share each other's opinions. <laughs> So what, who was he? Was he saying Liverpool or Everton? Was he Everton, Everton. need to move their players to London? Yeah, Is this was the argument that was previously used for Newcastle <laughs> to try and, right. try and lure players to the club and say, well, actually, our training goes down in London. You can go out in London and go to, I don't know, fucking... What's it China White. Yeah. Well, oh, Harrods. Yeah, right. you just go to Harrods or something. That was that was the the law. You're not having to go to Newcastle, which is uh, very patronising to many people. But uh, but yeah, that argument has now switched to Everton, whose players apparently live in Manchester. Keezy argues. So, but <laughs> I'm with Gray. I, I understand the logic of it. It's not that outlandish. I did lo- I did enjoy the um, the contempt with which he uttered the words Finch Farm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Quite rightly so. It's 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 just a it's just a name that you have to say like that, really. Finch Farm. Finch Farm. Uh, apologies to Finch Farm. Um, part two of two of Keys and Grey Corner this week. Uh, we um, we'll take a look at the wider Keys and Grey universe. On Darren Bent's boot room on Talksport this weekend was a certain Mister P. Reed. Worried yet? 
but it, the players have got to come out and take some responsibility here. You know, I, I was in there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a big time. Charlie, I was in Vegas uh, the other week. <laughs> yes. Woke up four in the morning to, to watch Everton play Crystal Palace in the cup. After 20 odd minutes, we did all right. But after that, mm. they were bang average. And they got me on. I was on Bloody Mary's on uh, the, oh, the, the rest of the, the game. Finally, we get to hear the other side yes. of the Reedy in Vegas story. <laughs> the spin-off Confirmation series. Confirmation as well that yeah. it did happen. And what was he doing? Watching Everton. Yeah. <laughs> Reedy's on Instagram. <laughs> I wish he'd I wish he'd referred to that as well. Yeah. That would have that would have really Not the Insta. Um uh, well, yeah, tremendous episode 150. Thanks to you both for your ongoing support on this quest to blow apart the language of football. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Cheers, Charlie. Thank you. Let's try and get Darren Ken's number for Mesut Highland Dicks on Thursday. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. See you later in the week. Bye. The Athletic.